Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you well? Good. It's good to hear, isn't it, from different ministries that go on at church. We're going to be doing that over the next few weeks, just hearing people's heart, because as good as it is for you know, us to announce stuff on the platform, sometimes it's great to hear from the people who are involved themselves. And so we're going to be doing that over the next few weeks, just exploring some of the different ministries and activities that we do as a church in the community. But anyway, we're in our second week of our foundation series where we have been laying down the spiritual brickwork to lay our lives upon. We're looking at Jesus' command to take everything we are and everything we do and to build it on his teaching, the best foundation for our lives. And this morning, our second brick, if you like, our, the second part of our foundation is found by the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He writes this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again, watch closely, the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. And so really what the Bible's teaching us this morning is this, church, is that repentance is a foundation of our faith and relationship with the Lord. It's mentioned 58 times in the New Testament alone, but the question for us this morning is this, what is repentance? I think repentance is one of those words, church, that sometimes make us feel a wee bit awkward, right? Kind of make us kind of go, oh, I really don't want to explore this this morning. It's one of those topics, I think, do you know when you ever turn up to church and you brought a friend and you're thinking, please not this, please not this, please not this, right? You don't want to go over this. Because maybe it's because it's been the way it's been presented to us. In some places, it's been taught really, really well. And in other places, it's been used to beat people with. But I would like to suggest to us this morning, church, that repentance is a beautiful, life-giving gift from God. It is a gift addressed especially to you and I this morning. Repentance is a gift. But you know what it's like. To appreciate a gift, you have to know what it is and why we need it. What is repentance and why do we need it? Let's pray before we dive into God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for, Lord, the life that it brings for the authority that it is, and for, Lord, the light that it shines in dark places. And so, Lord, this morning we say, come, Lord, and speak your word, speak your truth, that we may see Jesus this morning, that we may leave here with another brick in the foundation of our lives. And all those people said, amen. So to best understand Repentance Church, the best place to start is actually with the word itself. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the scripture, the Old Testament is written in ancient Hebrew, and the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And sometimes to understand the word, you're better just going to the original translation itself. So the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, right? And metanoia is actually two words put together. There's meta, and then there's noia, right? So meta means change, and noia is talking about your mind or your thinking, so in other words, if we want to think of repentance, church, that word, what the scripture teaches us is this. It's about changing the way you think. It's about changing your mind, the pattern of how we see the world, the way we think about ourselves, and the way we think about God. But how many of us know from our own experience that changing your mind 
the coming to an agreement in something isn't always enough, right? So for example, when Chloe and I order a Chinese, I know in my mind that it's not good for my arteries, right? I agree with that. Will I do it? Yes, right? I will eat the chicken fried rice even if I disagree. Changing of the mind takes us further than just our thinking. If you like, some, some Bible dictionaries will put it like this. This change of mind involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God. A turning from sin and a turning to God. In other words, if we wanted to package repentance really neatly, it might be this. It's a change of mind that leads us to action. A change in the way we think that makes us do something about it. It makes us turn from sin and turn to God. And when I was thinking about illustrating this this morning, I think repentance is best illustrated in road signs, right? So I'm going to run you through some this morning. We're going to do our uh, highway code and see how we're doing a character Nazarene, right? So here's our first one. What's that? You're all very shy and it's worrying. What is it? One way. One way. Thank you. Next one. Roundabout. Roundabout. Some in this church don't know what that means. <laughs> don't look that way. Look this way. Look that. What's that one mean? Junction ahead, crossroads. Slippy. No overtaking. Some don't know what that means either. So, different signs give us different things. So what you might find is that a triangle sign is usually a hazard, but a circular, circular sign is always a command. A triangle sign is a hazard, but a circular sign is a command. And I like to think of repentance as a bit like a road sign that tells us to do what? Do a U-turn. Do a U-turn. This is what our intern spent the week doing, by the way. This is <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence. He's not here this morning. We believe in investing in people, you know. But, <laughs> but repentance, really, church, is when God tells us to make a U-turn, to turn from the direction you're going in and to turn toward God. Turn from sin, change the way we think about it, and turn toward God. Repentance, church, is exactly like making a U-turn. But the challenge of that sometimes, church, is this, and I think it's sometimes the way it gets presented, is sometimes so much is made of what we're turning from and not who we're turning to. Sometimes over the years, all the, the influence gets put on, and that's where that tone comes from, you dirty, rotten sinner, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix that. And before we know, we leave church feeling worse than when we come in. But really, repentance invites us not just to look at what we're turning away from, but to the one we're called to turn to. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 4 and 17. He says this, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Have you ever heard somebody's testimony and the most exciting and the fun bits was everything before they got saved, right? I was doing this, I was doing that, and then I got saved, right? <laughs> You're going, that doesn't sound any fun. Or do you know, and it hasn't been in this church, I just want to tell you that, but if you've ever been in a service and the worship leader's gone, this is what heavens will be like, and you're like, I hope not, right? <laughs> As if getting saved and attending church until we die is, is, is the extent of the kingdom of God. 
And what Jesus says is, repent, make a U-turn from your sins, turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, I am drawing close to you. If you hear the Lord's call in your life this morning to repent and make a U-turn, good news, it's not because he's far, it's because he's near. Repent from your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of God is near. In other words, no longer must we be slaves to sin, the kingdom of freedom is near. No longer are we under the guilt and condemnation and the weight that it carries, the kingdom of forgiveness is here. No longer is anxiety and fear the burden we must carry because the kingdom of hope, joy, and peace is here. No longer will brokenness, addiction, and shame be our banner because the kingdom of restoration and wholeness is here. And no longer will our lives be simply about nine to five and weekends because the kingdom of purpose is here. As the prophet Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And church repentance is all about making a U-turn and walking into the light. Is it time to make a U-turn on your journey this morning? But if we were to think practically, church, when it comes to actually being repentant, when it comes to actually making the U-turn, how do we actually walk that out? How do we make that a reality in our lives? How do we literally go from walking in one direction to making the U-turn and walking in the direction that the Lord would have us to walk in? Well, I'm going to give you three C's because it wouldn't be a sermon without alliteration, right? So the first C is this, correction. Correction is the first step in many ways to repentance. And as followers of Jesus, church, we're often called to repent and to be corrected, and to follow the Lord. Some people teach that once you're saved, you don't need to repent, but we do, because we're human, and we're broken, and we're on a journey with Jesus, where he continually has to say, hey boy, this way, come on. That happens, right? In the book of Revelation, five of the seven churches are called to repent, right? So sometimes the Lord will draw near to us in a gentle way that he does, and says, don't walk this way, walk that way. I love what he says in Proverbs 27 and 6, or I love what Proverbs says, I should say. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and this is the amplified version, who corrects out of a love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. If you keep that there for a second, lads. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concerns. Have you ever been in the car and you're following directions by, you know, the sat-nav or maybe like Apple Maps on your phone, and you take a wrong turn, and you go in the wrong direction, and what does the voice say to you? Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn where possible. And here's the thing, church, we all need a voice in our lives that tells us when to make a U-turn. We need a voice that will tell us to stop going in one direction and going in the other. And sometimes that might be a, a godly leader, it may be a wise and, and seasoned believer in our lives. It could be a friend who loves the Lord and who loves us too, who is willing to draw alongside us and to say the things we don't want to hear. We need a voice that tells us when to make a U-turn. And the heart of that this morning, church, is that when we make the U-turn, it's for our benefit and it's for our blessing, even if it wounds us and even when it hurts us the importance to have a voice in your life that tells you when to make the U-turn is essential because we put ourselves in danger otherwise. Um, maybe some of you in your uh, experience of, of driving 
um, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, have been corrected in the speed at which you drive your car, right? Okay. Maybe you've had a little pullover, there's some people who aren't actually looking me in the eye right now, who, who have perhaps been pulled over by the good old police service of Northern Ireland, or who have got a letter through the door to say, you need to correct your driving, right? And I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going to be really difficult to work out who it is, and they got a letter through the door one time, and another time they were pulled over by the good old PSNI and told that they needed to correct their driving, right? And they had one of two choices. They could either pay a big lovely bill, they could have some points on their license, or they could go to a correction course. And what this person learned in the correction course, it was a friend that wasn't me who told me about it, and they said, that person said, that what was so interesting about the correction course was that they said, if you don't correct the speed of your driving, you're a danger to yourself and others. And church, if we don't take the Lord's correction, even when it's not what we want to hear, spiritually, relationally, and emotionally, we become a danger to ourselves and to others. But that is not the heart of the Lord for us this morning, church. His correction comes with love, and it comes with the intention of bringing life. That's why Proverbs 6 and 23 says this, the corrections of discipline, this is amazing, are the way to life. Have you ever thought that the correction the Lord wants to make in our lives is actually to bring us life, not to take it away? Have you ever thought that when the Lord comes with words that maybe we don't want to hear, it's actually to bring us into his purposes and into life? Correction, church, is something, although it can be difficult for us all, correction is something that we want to embrace and to hold because it leads us into greater life. But correction doesn't stop there. Correction brings us into something called connection. I wanted it to be relationship, but it's not a C, so you've got connection. But one illustration uh, the Lord uses again and again throughout Scripture for our relationship with Him is marriage. Now, I want to put this to the side of a second. We know, don't we, that when we sin and we fall short, it's not like our whole relationship with the Lord's in jeopardy, right? Because we're not saved by anything we've done. We're saved by what He's done. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, right? So we just want to make that clear as we're talking about repentance and relationship with the Lord. We're saved by Him. We're held by Him. If I didn't earn my salvation, I'm not going to unearn my salvation either. You can't lose your salvation like you can lose your car keys, right? We're held in His hand. But marriage is a really interesting illustration for walking with Jesus in repentance. If you think about the intimacy and the depth of relationship with the Lord can be impacted by repentance just like marriage can. So, for example, right, say if I um, were to come home from the office, Chloe usually beats me home um, on a working week, and say I come home from the office and I am constantly rude and I am short-tempered and I am harsh toward her, right, for a day. But then say that goes on for a week. Every day I come in with the same attitude and the same behavior, and then it goes on for a month. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, Chloe would sort me out before a month, so it wouldn't go on that long. But... I would be corrected. Um, but if that was to go on and on and on, right, are we still married by the end of the month, just? But are we, still, are we still married by the end of the month? Yes, right? Our relationship is still intact. But is that marriage relationship loving? Is it deep? Is it intimate? No, because somebody needs to repent. 
And what repentance can do, church, it can take away, or sorry, what lack of repentance can do can take away our intimacy and can take away our connection with the Lord. And what he does is invites us to repent, invites us to make a U-turn in how we're thinking and what we're doing, that that connection and that relationship with the Lord might be restored again. Repentance is a beautiful, beautiful gift from God. It is a gift that restores what is broken in a relationship and it can bring us reconnection in places that we never thought possible. Connection can be restored by repentance, but there's, there's two kinds of repentance this morning, church. And, and John Bevere, who is a, an excellent holiness teacher, and I encourage you to look him up, he's, he's fantastic, um, makes a distinction between godly sorrow and, or, and worldly sorrow godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And he makes the comparison between King Saul and King David. If you're not familiar with those two people, there were two kings of Israel. And basically, this is what happened. They're human like you and I, and they made mistakes and they fell short of God's standard. And the prophet, uh, I just forgot that there, the prophet Samuel. Whew, uh, <laughs> I know what I promised. Um, somebody's up in the balcony marking me there going, oh, I'm going to put that down. Um, the prophet Samuel approaches King Saul, and he does what prophets do, and he backs him into a corner, and he says, you've sinned, and you've fallen short of God's standard, and Saul, Saul holds his hand up, he's repentance, and he goes, I've got it wrong, but the reasoning for his sorrow, the reasoning for his repentance was not godly sorrow, it was earthly sorrow, because here's Saul's response, Samuel, you've embarrassed me in front of all these leaders, you've called me to repent in front of all these people, now honor me, and basically make me look not as bad. And in the end, Saul lost his kingdom, and Saul lost his relationship with the Lord. The story ends so tragically. Why? Because his repentance and his sorrow, he was the center of it. It was about what he was going to lose. It was about Saul at the end of the day. But then we turn to King David. King David uh, commits adultery. He murders uh, the, the husband of the girl. And I mean, the Bible's not PG. Sure, it's not like it's, it's, it's real. And the prophet Nathan comes to him just like a prophet came to Saul. And he backs David into a corner and he says, this is what you've done and you've fallen short and you need to make a U-turn. And David falls on his face and he says, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Renew in me a clean heart and put a steadfast spirit within me. David's center of his sorrow was the fact, not that what he was going to lose, he couldn't have cared less who else was in the room and who was going to hear it. David's heart was broken because he broke the heart of the one he loved. And church, godly sorrow, godly repentance says, Lord, it's not that I've let myself down, Lord, I've let you down. Lord, I've severed something that was so precious and that was so connected to you. Lord, would you forgive me and help me make a U-turn? And church, the, the repentance that Jesus offers us this morning is not earthly and it's not short term. He offers us a repentance that says, walk with me. I know you've got it wrong. I know you've fallen short. But if you break your heart like I've broken mine, I'll lead you back onto the right path. Take us, Lord, to a place of godly sorrow. I love what Peter says, though. In the book of Acts, and is preaching to the Jews about Jesus. Acts 3, verse 19, he says this. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I want to be careful not to take this out of context, but we have a God who is so rich 
in grace and mercy who calls us when he says, repent. It's not that he's far, it's that he's near. And what he offers is refreshed connection and relationship with him. We have a God who, even when we fall short, turns, tells us to make the U-turn. He calls out to us, turn the direction that you're going in, that your relationship may be revived and renewed in him. Joe Church, we're living in a time where I understand why we might be calling out for, for do the message about Jesus in peace. That would be great. You think of, of the shifts in our society at the minute and, and what our world's going through. Or, or do a message on, on God's grace and, or something like that might have been good this morning. But you know what, church? I wonder is the Lord's message in this season for our church and for the world, repent and be converted. The times of refreshing may come. Because I don't know about you, church, we need a time of refreshing. We need a time of renewal and revival. And the best revival we will ever experience is a personal one. The Lord invites us this morning, church, to a personal revival in the presence of the Lord. And you know, church, that refreshing and that renewal of our relationship with him begins where it always does, and that's at the foot of the cross. Chloe and I were, were laughing earlier on about how, you know, we've, we've noticed between ourselves and uh, my, my sister-in-law um, shall we say, how we, how we present our living rooms at the minute. And I want to I explain that, right? Have you, ever had, <laughs> have you ever had that thing where um, somebody's giving you a call that they're coming around at short notice and it's like panic stations, right? And all of a sudden, you know, dishes are being frisbeed into the dishwasher and, you know, kids are being stuck into cupboards and you're just doing what you can to make the, sh make the place to sh look as presentable as possible, right? And even at one stage, I was getting coffee mugs out for, for tea and coffee. And Chloe goes, no, those mugs get the good mugs. And I thought, I thought they were the good mugs, but they're not. And then you realize you're turning into your parents, right? <laughs> Trying to get the place as presentable as possible. We wanted to be display ready for people coming over. And then we go over to our sister-in-laws when we're going over to see our wee niece, Mia, who is one in October. And all I'll say is, there's a toddler on the loose, right? The living room is being lived in as it should. It's like Fisher-Price, there was an explosion and there's toys are everywhere, right? The place is not, being careful, my mother-in-law sitting in the front row. Um, it's, it's, it's like a maze, right? And you know what, church? Sometimes when it comes to the cross, sometimes when it comes to making repentance, it can be so tempting for us to put our display version of our lives on show. We've got the good coffee mugs. We've got, this is, I, this is me, I'm put together. I've got it all together. I don't make mistakes. But you know what? The Lord's not interested in the good coffee cups. <laughs> the Lord's not interested in the display version of our lives. He doesn't care that we've tried to cram the closet shut full of stuff. The Lord's interested in the Fisher-Price mess. The Lord's interested in the living room that's real, in the living room of our lives where we're just honest and saying, Lord, this is who I am. This is the mistakes I make. Repentance, church, is about being real. Not hiding ourselves. It's being real. Lord, this is the living room of my life. Come in and help me. You know, church, this morning, the Lord is so good and he is so gracious. The kingdom of heaven is near. His goodness is near. His mercy is near. His grace is near. That he would take you and I by the hand this morning and he would lead us once again to the foot of the cross.
you know, there's nothing that you and I can do can surprise God. You know, there's nothing that you and I can do that's going to take God left the field and he has to put a new plan together. Rather, the Lord and his shed blood covers all sin. That there's nothing beyond the forgiveness of God this morning. That there's nothing beyond the cleansing from God in our hearts and in our mind. In other words, church, what I'm telling you is this. The cross says it's not too late to make a U-turn. It's not too late to make a U-turn. I love that line. He paid a debt he did not owe. For those who owed a debt, they could not pay. And church, this morning, you and I would lift everything that we need to change our thinking about. The Lord would come and he would take all of those, our patterns of thinking and our ways of behavior, and he takes it on himself, and he says, my son, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. The Lord is pleased with you this morning. The Lord loves you this morning with an everlasting love. And if you can hear his voice at the foot of the cross to make a U-turn, it's not to condemn you or to hurt you, it's to bring you home. It's to bring you home to his heart. If you're able this morning, would you stand with me? I want to pray for us. I told this story at, at Christmas time um, a while ago, and it's the story of, a, of a, a missionary who, I think it was Iraq or Iran he was in at the time, and it was a lot of years ago. And he had the opportunity to teach this small group of Muslim lads about Jesus and about the gospel. And as he was teaching them, you see, in, in Islam, um, they don't really teach that Jesus was crucified, at least in the way that, that we teach it. And he asked these young lads who don't agree with the crucifixion, if Jesus was to come walking by, how would you know it was him? And one wee lad said, well, it, he would have light on his face. He would, be, he would be beaming. That's how I know it was Jesus. And they kept talking and trying to work out how they would pick out Jesus. And do you know what one wee boy said? I would know it was Jesus by the marks in his hand and on his feet. And church this morning, if you want to know if you're loved, even if the Lord is saying to you, make a U-turn, come this way and walk toward me, you are loved more than you could ever know. He died for you. He loved you. Make a U-turn to him this morning. Make a U-turn to the Lord who loves you. Can I pray for us this morning just that we would step into that? just want to ask the band to come up as we pray. just want to be still before the Lord for a second just to soak in what he's saying, to soak in what the Spirit may be speaking over us. Thank you, Lord. Merciful God. Thank you, Lord. If you're here this morning and just, just as an intimate moment between you and the Lord, and sometimes we, we, we express ourselves outwardly just to confirm what the Lord might be doing inwardly. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're saying, Lord, I, I want to make a U-turn in this area of my life this morning. Lord, I want to change the pattern of my thinking. I want to change the pattern of this and make a U-turn and go back in the direction that you're calling me to. I just encourage you, if that's you, I want to pray for you, just to put your hand over your heart. We want to pray that the Lord would make that a reality for you this morning, that he would help you walk in that. Bless you. Lord, I thank you that you move toward the respondent heart. And Lord, as we, we place our hands over our hearts this morning, Lord, we just say, come Lord and do a work that only you can do. Lord, I pray for an increase of your love and your presence right now. An increase, Lord, of your mercy and your grace in this moment. 
that, Lord, you would take us by the hand from walking in one direction and to turn in the right direction. That, Lord, you would give us the grace and the power, Lord, to go on the journey of walking with you, to take the decision, Lord, to repent, turn from our sin, turn from our pattern of thinking, and, Lord, turn toward you again. That, Lord, you would lead us into life the Lord, you would lead us into the kingdom of heaven. That, Lord, is a kingdom of joy and restoration and passion and glory in the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray as we repent in this moment together, Lord, as we turn and ourselves and turn towards you in this moment, that, Lord, you would take us into a new season that opens doors we never thought possible. That, Lord, takes us to depths in your Holy Spirit that we never thought was real. That, Lord, you would take us to a beautiful place in our relationship with you where we know we are loved by you and we know that we are purposed by you. Lord, I thank you. You look at this church this morning and you see the sons and daughters who you love, who you call home to your heart. And Lord, together we say, come Lord Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen.